Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, what's going on with you in the world of Magic the Gathering? Ben, I have a confession to make. What is that? I've been playing best of three on Arena. I saw. I was about to bring that up with you if you had not brought it up yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, so here, here's my defense of my my changed ways here is that this is like the first format ever where it feels like the bots are pretty close to humans and you get the benefit of like you get to actually play black, which is one of the more fun things to do in the format. And this is like the first time where that's happened and the rank draft isn't the format. So I'm playing best of three. And so I'm like basically just farming gems for future times I have to play on arena. And I'm sort of like trying to backlog or like make up for what I'm going to do in the future because Hour of Devastation drafts are coming back to Magic Online, which I intend to be playing wholeheartedly. So all of that has led me to play on arena this week and i'm not mad about it i i have i have no no regrets ben wow giving the people what they want what a generous guy that's what i'm doing that's what what can i say ethan generosity sacks that's what they call me (laughs) how's it going with you in the world of magic the gathering it's going well i went back to mtgo this week promptly got crushed by some rares and then have have worked my way back into the groove of drafting have two one several times gotten close to a couple trophies it's been good. Anything new in the world of black being over or underdrafted, or does it still feel like a game of chicken? I feel better able to navigate it. I feel like I have a really clear idea of what pushes me into colors and what I'm willing to stick to black for and what I'm willing not to fight over black for. And I think we'll find out in our roundtable what rare you don't feel like sticking to black for. Uh, but before we dive into that, we've got some housekeeping stuff to do. First things first, we're going to be throwing a little wrench into the works this week and for future weeks, but we're interested in feedback from folks. We're going to be uh, taking a step back from doing the trophy leaderboard update each and every week. I think if some things come up that we're interested in talking about, we'll certainly dive in. We're still keeping track of our records in spreadsheets for folks in the Patreon who get that reward, but we're going to be removing it from the show each and every week, Ben. Yeah, I think we initially started it with the idea that we needed to prove ourselves that we were drafting, that we were good at this thing, because essentially we were two nobodies. And I think the podcast has grown enough to the point where it's no longer needed to add weight to our opinion. So we'll bring it up on a week that we're crushing or maybe, you know, if we want to say we're struggling and why that might be bring it up that week, but that, you know, by and large, every week, it's not super helpful to share that. Yeah. And then moving on to the Patreon, Ben, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where folks can give back to the show if they so choose. And each and every person who gives back to the show gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord. It's booming each and every week. It's hustling. It's bustling. It is the place to be to discuss all things limited on the internet. And each and every week, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold. So this week, we are welcoming Scott, Lucas, Matthew, Zach K, Nick, Ty, Paul, Christopher, Brandon, Brian, Evangelos, Emlex, Jeremy, Zach B, Andrew, Uriah, and Joseph. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, seriously, cannot say thank you enough. Everybody that chooses to donate money to the podcast is absolutely awesome. Just taking the time out of your day to do something nice for us, really appreciate it cannot agree more. Um, And we are expanding our content. We announced this last week, but just want to remind folks that our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Lords of Limited, or just searching Lords of Limited on YouTube, will get you over there. 
it's booming. We're trying to release four videos each and every week. Last week, we dropped our second Theros Beyond Death Showdown video. I dropped an MTGO draft video, and we got a couple What's the Plays as well, one from me and one from Ben. So head on over there, click that subscribe button, and enjoy the extra content. Yeah, I will say, I think content creation is something that both you and I really enjoy. After I finished my first little What's the Play video, I was just so proud, you know? It's like you finish an <laughs> essay, and you get a look at the essay and think, wow, I did that. It's really nice. You get that feeling. I had someone from our, our Discord and a member of our Twitch chat say that they were worried about me burning out on like pumping these out each and every week. But honestly, I'm feeling like inspired and excited and really motivated to get these out right now. I'm sure. I, I wonder if that'll last. But for now, I'm feeling really excited to be growing our YouTube channel. It's like mowing the grass for the first time. <laughs> I did that. Look at that. Everybody look. All right. So let's get into uh, a roundtable discussion here. And then I think that'll be a good springboard, as always, to our main topic, which is going to be commons in context. And we're going to take a look at each and every common in the set and sort of put them into a number of categories. But let, let, let's get into this roundtable first, Ben. I know you're eager to tell me why I'm very wrong about the decision I made here in pack one. Pick one where we see the following cards as options. Top commons, probably the best of the bunch here is Dreadful Apathy. And then moving on to the uncommons, I'd say we've got uh, th three medium to goodies. I know you're not high on the Scophos Maze Warden, the three and a red three, four. You can pay one to give it plus one, minus one until end of turn. I am high on the three and the white three, four. There's Lagana Band Storyteller here. Yeah, this is great. Three and a white for a three, four. When Lagana Band Storyteller enters the battlefield, you may put target enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. If you do, you gain life equal to its converted mana cost. There's Hero of the Nyxborn, one red, white for the two, two enchantment creature. When it ETBs, you make a one, one white human soldier creature token and it has the heroic plus one plus oh text and lucky boy not one but two rares here with woe strider two and a black for the three two and atbs you make an oh one goat you can sack a creature to scry one and it has escape three black black exile four and it comes back as a five four it gets two plus one plus one counters and thrix the sudden storm three blue blue for the four five flash flyer spells you cast with cmc five or more cost one less and can't be countered yeah, I think we're quickly narrowing this down to the rares here, Woe Strider versus Thrix. And for me, this is a, a fairly clear Thrix. You landed on Woe Strider. Talk to me about why. Well, so for, first I want to throw this out to you. Would you take Farika's spawn over Thrix? No, but I would take Farika's spawn over Woe Strider. Yeah, so that Woe Strider versus Farika's spawn is very, very close for me. And I'm, I think I would take Farika's spawn over Thrix. And maybe that's crazy. I mean, I recognize that Thrix is very, very good. and you know, if I'm hearkening back to our limited testing meeting, I'm sure we had Thrix and Woe Strider both above Farika Spawn in the piles. Now, it sounds like you may have shifted Woe Strider down below Spawn. Um, I, I just really like Woe Strider. If, I th if I'm thinking about cards that like I want to stake a claim for Black for, Woe Strider is one of those cards. I guess a lot of Black Rares are cards you want to do that for, but I think Woe Strider is one of them. Um, so that's really what it came down to. I was like, well, do I want to get into black, the best color, for a really good rare? And I do. I want to take it uh, over Thrix here um, most of the time. But maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's an, an incorrect stance. Talk to me about why Thrix is better than Woe Strider. I think Woe Strider, I, I'm going to talk more about Woe Strider than Thrix. Because seriously, I do think Thrix is just like raw stats. You get to ambush something. You get to eat a creature. Woe Strider, I think, only really excels as a card in red-black. I think in most other decks, it's it's pretty medium. It's like a dust charger that can block and escape four is a pretty real cost. The four up to three is a pretty big bump. I've played with this a fair amount. And if the board stalls out, it's nothing special. Whereas 
Thrix is special, I think, in all states of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think looking at it now, I'm I'm agreeing with you. This may have come at a point in like my drafting where I was like, I haven't gotten to play black in a while. I'd like to. Um, so I, I, I think I agree with you hearing you talk about it. Boom. Got him. Uh, moving on to pack one, pick two, and we'll sort of start to see the ripple effect of this decision. Um, best commons in the pack. There's an Omen of the Sea and a Daybreak Chimera. And then there's an Omen of the Dead as well as the only black card worth considering, really. I mean, there's a Soul Reaper of Mogus and a Fruit of Tizarus as well, but I don't think you want to take those here. And then Uncommons, there's Clothis's Design, the sort of overrun variant at five and a green. Glimpse of Freedom, one and a blue draw card. Escape, two and a blue exile, five. And Furious Rise, I like this card quite a bit. Two and a red enchantment at the beginning of your end step. If you control a creature with power four or greater, you can exile the top card of your library and then play that card until you exile another card with Furious Rise. And a rare still in the pack, the blue-white Temple of Enlightenment. Yeah, I think pretty quickly narrowing this down for me to Omen of the Dead versus Omen of the Sea. And I think a lot of this depends on what your first pick is, right? right? This this pack is just terrible, right? There's nothing that stands out here other than Furious Rise, I think is the only card that is particularly of interest to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And Omen of the Sea, I think, is the best common in the pack. So I think if you're if you took Thrix first, I think you follow it up with Omen of the Sea here. And I think if you took Woe Strider, I don't think Omen of the Sea is enough better than Omen of the Dead that you take Omen of the Sea. I think you just stick stick with black and take an Omen of the Dead, which again just shows how much better it is for you if you get a clear lane in the beginning of the draft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I did. I grabbed the Omen of the Dead. You would, of course, grab Omen of the Sea with Thrix. Moving on to pack one, pick three. Uh, top commons, there's a pious wayfarer. And yes, that is a top common for us. I think we're on that as the second best white common in the set. Uh, Omen of the Sea, number two here, Ben, uh, for you, as well as a deny the divine. And then looking at the uncommons, there's Satessan Petitioner. That's not very exciting. One green, green, two, two. It's like half a gray merchant. When it ETBs, you gain life equal to your devotion to green. Then we've got a mischievous chimera. Might be of interest if you started out with Thrix. Blue, red for the two, two enchantment creature with flying. Whenever you've cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, it deals damage to each opponent and you scry one there's daxos blessed by the sun white white for the two star toughness equal to your devotion to white whenever a creature etbs under your control or dies you gain a life and the rare is labyrinth of scophos the land taps for colorless or four tap remove target attacking or blocking creature from combat yeah this is an interesting pack here i think if i've gone thrix omen i just want another omen of the sea here yeah it's close because daxos is far and away the best card in the pack i think and and labyrinth labyrinth is in consideration as well but i think daxos is enough better than labyrinth that you would take it here especially while you're trying to find a direction Mm -hmm. yeah but i think the thrix omen route is much more interesting that that's a lot closer between daxos and omen but again i think this format just rewards you getting deeper into one color and once you're doing blue things blue cards get better so i think with my route i would be on omen of the sea with your route of woe strider into omen of the dead it's a lot harder right you can't take a black card here so you're branching into a new color and then yeah. i think you're deciding whether you want to go omen of the sea or daxos and again like neither of those are like great pushes into a new color i think i would take omen of the sea myself just because i'd rather play blue black than black white but I think Daxos is the best card in the pack. So I think that's very close. Yeah, I just went with what I thought was the best card and took a Daxos. But I agree, this pack felt bad. I was starting to be like, all right, well, rip the old uh, Thrix into double Omen of the Sea start, which would have been gas. Pack one, pick four. There's not really, 
I think interesting things to talk about here. There's an Omen of the Forge is the best common in the pack, and then the best uncommon is Agonizing Remorse. And so that felt like a good pickup for me with my two black cards already. Would you have grabbed that here? I mean, your only blue option here is Elite Instructor. So what would you have taken? I think I would have taken Agonizing Remorse here as the best card in the pack. I mean, there's a Sentinel's Eyes. I do love that card, but it's not very good with the start we've got going here. Mm -hmm. So I I would not take Elite Instructor. I think that card's fillerish enough that I would see what happens with agonizing remorse maybe black's open maybe it's not maybe i splash it we'll see yeah i mean i think there's a consideration for omen of the forge playing nicely with the the other omens you have and like then that means all four of your things are instant speed right now but i agree remorse is just enough better and then pack one pick five thrown for a loop here we see a pick five utropia the twice favored that's the green blue uh uncommon with constellation whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control you put a plus plus one counter on a creature and that creature gains flying until end of turn that is a pretty gigantic signal at pack one pick five that's what i think i mean there's and there's also just like a handful of blue and green cards here there's a vexing gull a whirlwind denial satessin training nixborn colossus like there's a lot of blue green in the pack as well literally no black or red cards and only only white card is dawn of angel yeah so i grabbed that spent the rest of the pack you know where you see more blue pass you by next pack have a Vexing Gull as an option, pack after that Nyxborn, Seaguard into Stern Dismissal as an option, pick eight, Deny the Divine. Like blue is definitely open here. And we could have definitely had a really good blue start. So but here's my question for you, because I think this is an interesting thing about the format. Yeah. If you if you didn't take Thrix first, like when are you supposed to get into blue? Like Never. you had Never. You had, op- you had well, you had options to take Omen of the Sea, right? But it wasn't like a clear, there's never a clear enough signal that says like, hey, you should draft blue. Like, I don't think Omen of the Sea pushes you into blue. No, I agree. That's why it's really tough with it being the best blue common. Then, And maybe you and I are just undervaluing it. Is that possible? Like, are you just supposed to slam it there? Pick two. I feel like you're not supposed to take it over Furious Rise. Or, or Omen of the Dead if you took a black card. Exactly right. If you're going into a second color, it feels like, well, if I'm going to take a second color, I should take what the best card is, which is Furious Rise. So yeah, I don't know when you're supposed to get into blue in the seat if you don't take Thrix. And in my mind, Omen of the Dead in a black deck is almost as good as Omen of the Sea is in a good blue deck. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there definitely there are black decks where you're like, I really want at least two of these, you know, that, that the cards are, are is very strong in a lot of black decks. So uh, ended up navigating this draft to I, I did get hooked up in black green specifically in pack two. We got past a Nessian Boar, two Acolyte of Afflictions. So landed on black green and splashed a handful of blue cards. The Shimmerwind Chimera, which is just absurd with Omen of the Dead. And we splashed that Utropia. And I believe we also got an Atris, the two black blue three two menace that like gives you the like little baby factor fiction thing with your opponent. Sounds like an Ethan Sachs special. Yeah, it was special. It wasn't so special enough to do well. It unfortunately went one, two. That has been my experience with some of those Sultai value splashy decks. Yeah, I know that's your experience. I mean, I know you're not high on black green and I'm very high on black green. So that's not been my experience a lot of the time with those decks. I feel like those decks are really strong, but sometimes you just don't get there. For sure. All right. So that's going to move us into our main topic here. And like I said, we're going to be looking at Every common in the set, you know, we were discussing usually what happens when we record the podcast, then we'll afterwards we'll have a little, you know, discussion about what we're going to do for the following week or planning out multiple weeks in ahead, figuring out where we're at there. Um, and I forget what we talked about last week, but then Friday morning, Ben and I were texting and I was like, what are, what are we doing again? Like, I, I want to start working on the show notes today. What are we supposed to do? And you had this idea about like, well, maybe we'll talk about like the commons and where they fit into different decks. And I was like, as soon as you said that, I was like, 
oh, this is going to be great. I'm very excited to talk about this. We've never really done a show like this before. And I think Terrace Beyond Death really lends itself to discussing the commons in this way. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be looking at how cards fit into each of five different categories. So the first of these categories is going to be good in every deck. Now, we were talking about this just before we recorded the show. This this generally will probably be the same list as what we think the top commons in that color are, but not necessarily. So thinking about them as the best cards in that color, but more importantly, the cards that are going to be good in all four of those color pairs. So the the cards that every deck wants at least one copy of. And then the next category is top tier, which are cards that are almost always included, but have some slight considerations during the draft or in deck building. There might be an occasion where you leave one of these out of your deck. And in some case, like like we said, the, the good in every deck is not necessarily going to be what we think the top three commons are. So one or two might sneak in the top tier category. Next up, we've got most contextual. And I think this is where we're going to have the most conversations. And what I think is most interesting about this format is the cards that vary the most based on what your draft is and uh, what deck building considerations you have. And then we're finally going to take a look at cards that are filler, completely interchangeable and or unplayable slash sideboard cards. And I should say before we start, so I, I was pretty surprised I put together an initial list of, of these cards in these categories. And I was like, hey, Ben, what do you think about this? And you had very few disagreements with me, which I was shocked for. I was bracing myself for for the Ben Werney edit here. I know you were like, can we can we try to settle some things yeah. before we record the podcast? And I, lo- I looked through and I was like, I had a few three, maybe three, four things different. That's what's so strange to me about this format, because I feel like my evaluations line up with you and other people that are generally doing very well in the format. And I just just can't get over the hump with those trophies. Yeah, I- This format feels more so than any, I think, since we started the podcast, where there is such a wide range of opinions and like drafting with preferences from person to person and people who are having varying degrees of success that it feels really hard to like get a bead on what's going on, even like, you know, a month plus into the set. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into white first, looking at cards that are good in every deck. Top of the heap here, I think I have Dreadful Apathy and then Pious Wayfarer number two. And then Sunmane Pegasus creeping into good in every deck. What do you think about Sunmane Pegasus making this cut? I love it. This is a, this is a dark horse for white. Yeah. The underdog. Yeah, the dark flying horse. Yeah, I mean, so the fact that this is single white and the fact that how much of a swing the one in a white activation to get even just that one point of you take two, I gain two can really swing a lot of races in your favor. And also it provides like an attacker in the air and then a blocker in the air when it has vigilance. This card is really, really good. And I just can't imagine... Uh, other than curve considerations, leaving it on the sidelines in any white deck. Well, and I think white really wants to sort of suit things up and or like this enables you to build your own Baneslayer Angel. I mean, you slap a Sentinel's eyes on this three, four flyer vigilance that can gain lifelink is really awesome. Maybe you toss an indomitable will on there or whatever. You know, there are ways to augment this. And I think that's also a big part of why this card is so good. 100% agree. I do think there's an argument for Pious Wayfarer to be in the most contextual or not the most contextual in top tier. Because if you're if you don't have, you know, seven plus enchantments, you're probably not playing Pious Wayfarer, right? I guess that's true. It's just hard for me to imagine a deck that doesn't have seven plus enchantments. If you're white and you're taking Pious Wayfarer highly. Yeah, it, it does shape how you draft though, right? I guess so it's hard to imagine a lot of tiebreakers that where i would go well this card is slightly worse but it's an enchantment i guess like it bumps up like transcendent envoy for me sometimes but like i just think by and large it's just good i think that's probably true well let's let's get into what we think the top tier is so cards that are 
almost always going to make any white deck you play. First up is Heliod's Pilgrim. And I think this is a rawly powerful card, right? If you have a Dreadful Apathy, this is a second copy of your Dreadful Apathy. If you have a Sentinel's Eyes, this is a second copy of your Sentinel's Eyes, and so on and so forth. And there are a lot of powerful auras in the set. I think you're happy playing this in aggressive white decks, and I think you're happy playing this in controlling white decks. Really, the hitch is, are you? do you have auras that you're interested in finding? Yeah, yeah. And I think ideally you have both sides of that, right? You have auras that are going to augment your creatures and auras that are going to remove your opponent's creatures. Next up, uh, Hero of the Pride. I mean, it's hard to imagine cutting a two mana 2-2 from any white deck, but I think these get better when you have ways to target it, obviously, and ways to go wide. Yeah, I think this is going to make most white decks. I could see not including it if you've got a very controlling shell Mm -hmm. and not a lot of ways to target because a bear is not that exciting. But even then, you might need it for the curve. Right. I think this is most exciting when you've got something like Sentinel's Eyes where you can continually trigger it. Or, you know, you've got the heavy white deck with the Rapid Flames. There's There's a lot of different homes for this guy. For sure. Daybreak Chimera is next up. This is one of the biggest fallers from our initial evaluations of the white commons. You really have to be heavy white before you're excited about Daybreak Chimera. I was streaming the other day and I had two of these and I only had one in my main deck and somebody had asked about why not include the second one. And even the first one wasn't great in my deck. I think, you know, I said said something to that effect. You really need the one and two white drops and you need at least 10 planes I think in your mana base before you're, you know, willing to put Chimera in your deck. And even then you get some draws where it's pretty awkward. Yeah, for sure. And I'm reading my note on Sentinel's Eyes here, which is the last top tier card. But I think my note here means this has to go in good in every deck. Ooh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Let's move that guy up there. Sentinel's Eyes is going good in every deck. My, my note here is every deck wants at least one. And if every deck wants at least one, it's got to be in the good in every deck category. I, th- I don't think that's true, though, because there's there's blue-white control where you're not thrilled with Sentinel's Eyes. Oh, uh, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's keep it where it is then. I think almost every white deck wants at least one. There is diminishing returns on the card like because you want to find the first one so much, but then once you draw the second one, it's obviously in a lot of contention with the first one in terms of escaping it, etc. The more heroes you, you have or, or flyers you have, I think it gets better. Uh, with multiples. That brings us on to our next category, which is the most contextual cards. And the first of those is Flicker of Fate. This is an interesting card. I generally don't really have room for it. It feels sort of like a 23rd card. But if you get the deck where you have, you know, maybe two Dreadful Apathies and a Saga or two that's really powerful, like maybe you have Elspeth Conquers Death in your deck or and you're red white and you've got an Eroesis Blessing to blink. Like I think once you have four plus good blink targets, Flicker of Fate starts to be a card you actively want in your deck. Yeah, I think it's probably worst in red white, but every other deck I think can probably have a home for it. You know, like just thinking about all the kinds of things you, you can trigger, right? Like Warbriar Blessing, Iroas's Blessing, even a Satessin Training, being able to like reassign those auras as well mid-combat, blinking your opponent's stuff from out from under a Blessing, resolving on their side. Like th- there's just a lot of little things that I think it's going to be easy, at least for the first copy, to get a card's worth of value. But I think you want to make sure you have those different ways to do it in your deck before you think about it as your 23rd card. Yeah. Karametra's Blessing here. Uh, things to consider about including this card 
Do you have auras? Because what you really, really want is for this to have the whole text matter. You want it to give plus two, plus two, but really you care about hexproof and indestructible. So you want to have auras in your deck so your creature gets that benefit of the hexproof indestructible. Enchantment creatures get that benefit. And also just creatures worth protecting. Like if you don't have some bomb or if you don't imagine that you're suiting something up with a commanding presence that's worth protecting, I don't think you need to include this in your deck. Yeah, this card can do serious work in the right deck though. I just played... On Magic Online, I don't know if it was this last week or two weeks ago, against Cashworth, who's a frequenter of both of our streams. And he had a start with three enchantment creatures, two of which were two Dreamstalker Manticores, the two and a red 4-2. And it was he had two Karametra's Blessings. And there was just nothing I could have done that game because of how powerful Karametra's Blessing was in context with those cards. Yeah, for sure. Next up is Omen of the Sun. This really goes well in your deck when you care about constellation i think and or going wide right if you're doing the hero of the pride target it try to pump my team plan Mm -hmm. and i think omen of the sun starts to become a card you actively want in your deck especially if you've got some pious wayfarers along for the ride as well so if this is also a plus one plus one combat trick then it's starting to do some really powerful things yeah that's uh that's when i think omen of the sun is best is with the wayfarer uh, Revoke Existence is on this list. Now, I think this really goes, you, you and I have talked about this before, I think this really goes better in a more controlling version of white. Like you're happy to have access to this effect. You certainly want to end a draft having access to enchantment removal when you're in white or in green with the return to nature or Mr. Appeal. But I think Revoke Existence is better when you're in a more controlling version because when you're in an aggro version, the cards in your hand really need to do something. Like the cards in your opener have to have targets or have to have an impact. And when you don't have a target or the target for this isn't great, I don't think the card is at its best. I agree. I think you're only main decking a copy copy of this in a controlling deck Mm -hmm. next up is transcendent envoy this little guy has been impressive i think Mm -hmm. if you put it in the right deck i would have thought this was unplayable garbage at the start of the format (laughs) it's one and a white for the one two enchantment creature and then auras you control cost one less to cast i think this goes up in value in direct proportion to the amount of hero of the prides and pious wayfarers you have in your deck because triggering pious wayfarers is very good. It also wears the pious wayfarer triggers very well to get the points of damage in. And same thing for Hero of the Pride, like the pump, the going wide. This often frequently gets in for two when you trigger that Hero of the Pride because it's a flyer. I also think if you've got four CMC plus auras, like specifically Commanding Presence or Iroas's Blessing, once I have those in my deck, Transcendent Envoy becomes a lot more appealing to me as well. Format powerhouse aspect of the Lamprey, maybe? Yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, Moving on to Triumphant Surge. I think this card has really gone up and up for me. It started off looking like a sideboard card to me. And then I think it has a place in main decks, specifically in blue-white control. And when you're light on removal, I don't think this is an embarrassing include. Yeah, absolutely agree. Next up is Indomitable Will. I had this initially pegged as better than Sentinel's Eyes, and boy, was I wrong. Yeah. This is significantly worse than Sentinel's Eyes, but again, an include in your deck in direct proportion to the number of Pious Wayfarers and Hero of the Pride that you have. And last on our most contextual list is Lannan of the Lost Pride. I think you want to make sure that this is being included in your deck. I, I guess curve considerations one, but better in an aggressive deck for sure. And when you're you're light on two drops, right? When 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 you are feeling like your curve needs just something to do to impact the board early. I think also if they're not in your main coming in out of the board against things like Underworld Ragehound or uh, the Chimera, the four one. Yep, yeah, when it when it can trade and then exile the escape creature, that's very relevant as well. Moving on to the filler captivating unicorn. This is like a green white top end card, maybe. And even then you're not thrilled with it. 
Yeah, I mean, like you can play it when you need a curve topper, but you're not excited about it. Same with Glory Bearers. This is curve filler, constellation triggers, gives it a little bit of a plus, but like, you know, you can take or leave this card. Right, it begrudgingly makes your deck even when you've got synergy with it. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, Nyxborn Courser. I think this is the most exciting of the filler. This is one white white for the 2-4 enchantment creature. I think if you care about devotion and if you're on the more controlling end, this is definitely something that's reasonable. 2-4 is a fairly good blocker in this format. Yeah, I agree. And then that'll move us on to unplayable or sideboard cards. This was the crazy thing to me about white, and I think this is the only color where this was true. It doesn't really have a card that belongs on this list. Like Rumbling Sentry is what we're going to put here. But even that as like Curve Filler or like something to put in your five drop slot in a control deck, it's not an embarrassing card to play if it's in the right deck. No, it clogs up the board, man. If you want to block, Rumbling Sentry will block. So white, like in that respect, is sort of the deepest because all 19 of its commons are playable. There's nothing that you're like, that's a junker. Yeah, I think that's true. Moving on to the best color, we got black. Good in every deck. Top of the list, Myers Grasp, followed closely by Final Death. Are you coming around to the idea that Final Death might be better than Myers Grasp at all? No. Is that an idea that's coming around? I think that's an idea that people have in this format. Why would that be the idea? Because Final Death kills the things dead that are going to kill you and exiles them. Like it, it just deals with a freak of spawn. It deals with, you know, a Thrix or whatever. Like there, there are a lot of cards that are very good like like so the idea that you know if this is a prince format and the rares really matter mm -hmm. final death deals with more of those cards that really matter than myers grasp does yeah that's an interesting point i hadn't considered that i think i'm still on grasp one over final death one i think i am as well but it's really close and i think you definitely want one of each before you want two of the other unless you've already got synergy pieces with myers grasp but it just feels like you're going to like so often some so much of the time you are going to have synergy with grass before you have like there's no synergy with final death right next up on this list so remember keeping in mind that these aren't you know the best black commons necessarily but they are good in every deck i think lampad of death's vigil belongs on this list as every black deck wants the first copy of this card yeah and red black decks want like three copies of it yeah see I, so for for my money this card has immense diminishing returns so if i don't have ways to like do something with the second copy like sack it to a soul reaper i i need to think about having two and i don't even know about three that seems excessive to me yeah the one mana sack outlet i think is pretty important if you're doing the portrayal yeah if you're doing port portent of betrayal yeah that's 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 fair Next up is Mogus's favor. This was a, a contentious one for us. You've got this as good in every deck. I, I don't know. Like Mogus's favor is pretty far down the list of black commons to me. Will I include it in every deck? Probably, but I'm not super excited about this card. Yeah, so I feel pretty strongly that I want one in every black deck. Um, I definitely side it out a fair amount, but I'm, I'm happy to start it. But I could see considerations where like if you have other better escape cards or if your removal suite is just packed, if you don't have any constellation stuff like maybe this belongs in in top tier. But I agree it's it's down the list. I don't feel like I prioritize it, but I do want to make sure I have one at the end of a draft. Yeah, that makes sense. Omen of the Dead is the last one here on good in every black deck. And this card gets much better with the quality of your creatures. You know, if you've got some Garys or some Blight Breath Catablipuses floating around and any self mill you've got, like if you've got venomous Hierophants that are maybe milling rares that you could potentially rebuy, like the fact that Hierophant plus Omen of the Dead gets to see you more of your deck more often to find your good creatures, I think is pretty key in the black decks. 
Yeah. Looking at top tier, the list is kind of short here. So first up is Blight Breath Catablepus. This is almost always an auto-include, but the reason I have it on this list and not in good in every deck, and, and maybe this is the wrong way to consider it, but the floor of six mana, three, two, give something minus two, minus two is not something that I'm interested in. So if I'm like a 10-7 split and black isn't my main color, and then like my black cards are mostly just like maybe a lamp pad, a Myers Grasp, and a Final Death... Blight Breath Catablepus is probably not making the cut there. Right. You need to be base black, I think, before Catablepus is great in your deck. That's what I think, too. Yeah. Venomous Hierophant next on the list. This card is best, obviously, when you have a lot of escape. I have found a little bit of tension with this card with the four drop slot getting clogged, especially in black green. But I think, you know, again, in tandem with Omen of the Dead, does a lot of work. Four mana, three, three death touch, putting three cards in your graveyard. If you've got the escape, putting the three cards in your graveyard is very close to drawing a card. And that's when this guy is at its best. I would also add that you want to really think about including this card when you're splashing something. Like if you're on Amulet, Carry Added, One Island to splash Utropia in your black green deck, putting Hierophant in your deck has a cost of like, what if I mill my blue source? Yeah. So I just throw that out there. And last on this list is Soul Reaper of Mogus. This is usually going to make the cut. I've found like one copy of this usually makes the cut in my black decks, but it's best with Sacrifice Fodder, like a Discordant Piper, and best in grindier decks, like decks that want that card advantage in the mid to late game. Yeah, I think you're fairly happy with the first copy of soul reaper moving on to most contextual first on the list here is discordant piper this is a very good cheap play you know if you need a curve filler you don't have the lamp pads also goes up in value i think if you have soul reaper of mogus i'm much more likely to be happily playing a discordant mm -hmm. piper in my deck or if i'm in red black sacrifice but by and large this is not a super impactful card funeral rights is up next i i want to include this card when I have heavy escape themes or if I've got like really good escape cards, you know, that, that three to four sweet spot, or if I'm trying to like self mill with the, the Omen of the Deads or, you know, Thassa's Oracle or whatever. There's a real cost to the second copy I found. Yeah, I mean, two life is no joke, especially like if you think about while well, I'm putting this in a deck that is grindier, like you're probably starting the game off behind when you take a turn off to cast this card. That's very real as well. Like I, th this card is not an auto include in the way that I think a lot of people believe it is. It's best in black red, I think. Yeah. Why? Because that's where you've got a lot of escape, but also want the card draw. Right. You want the two for one, like you're playing an attrition game. And mm -hmm. this is like the most attrition card in a color pair that doesn't normally get card draw. Yeah. And it's fine in black green. I think not the most exciting, but you'll play it. Mm -hmm. um, sim similar thing. You're playing a grindy game plan and black green doesn't normally get a draw to blue black. It's a little less exciting because if you've got better options for drawing cards and then white black, you can do it if you've got, especially if you've got something like rise to glory, maybe to take advantage of the cards in your graveyard. Yeah, for sure. Scavenging harpies next. This is Pretty curve fillerish, but also worth including potentially if you have no other graveyard hate or worth keeping in mind that you can bring it out of the board if you have no other graveyard hate. Yeah. And like, you know, if you don't end up with a wings of hubris in your deck, I think, you know, you can just be like, well, I need I want a, a flying threat in my black deck. I think that that's fine. But yeah, definitely fillerish. Uh, Underworld Charger. I think this is best in aggressive decks and also best when you don't have a lot of other escape. Like if you're in like black, white aggro and you've got Mogus's favor and Sentinel's eyes and this, I think that's, that's like where it's probably at its best. Absolutely. Farika's Libation is next. I think this goes better when you've got a removal heavy deck, or I think also worth considering when you're blue, black and potentially don't have any other way to interact.
interact with enchantments mm -hmm. or certainly something that you could bring out of the board if you've seen a very powerful enchantment from your opponent. Aspect of Lamprey. I, I really want synergy pieces with this card before I'm happy to include it. Like Hateful Eidolon. I think it's really nice in black red when you've got Final Flare or Dream Shaper Shaman or even like Scophos War Leader to be able to sacrifice an enchantment once it's done its thing. I think also worth bringing out of the board against aggro. Oh, if yeah. You if you nab aggro's like last two out of three cards and have a life linking creature on the battlefield, it's really hard for them to come back from that. Agree. And last on this list is Temple Thief. I think this is, you know, a playable card in an aggro deck. And I think specifically it's at its best in black white aggro where you've got like ways to augment it. You're going like Pious Wayfarer into temple thief into you know lamp out of death's vigil to trigger it i just think black white supports the temple thief the best every other version of the black deck i think skews a little bit grindier and probably has better options yeah i i've not i don't think i've happily cast a temple thief in this format yet have you i have yeah and you feel like the camp blocking clause is relevant against some opponents or quite relevant yeah interesting i, I have had times when i've gone like temple thief on two temple thief on three and my opponent has two enchantment creatures and just can't block at all okay very cool moving on to the filler category first up is nixborn marauder i think this is filler plus yeah this guy's two two black black for a four three enchantment creature if you've got devotion if you care about constellation four three bodies super relevant this makes a lot of other black cards around it just slightly better i think the other one on this list is also filler plus rage scarred berserker this is a good curve topper good in aggro it's just like keyword stats you know it often reads like it's a five four comes into play and like deals your opponent three or four damage because they're not interested in you know chump blocking whatever attacker gets indestructible it's a good card all right that takes us to our unplayable sideboard category first up is fruit of tizarus this is not a card you want to put in your black deck. Boy, howdy, did we get roasted for even suggesting that this could go in a deck with Devourer of Memory last week. Yikes. Yeah. And the other card here I would put is Grim Physician. This was a card that I thought at the beginning of the format would be like a good include as like a one of in a black red sacrifice deck. But Mogus's favor just does it better every time. So you can put this in a red black sack deck, but you'd hope to not run it. So I put that in the unplayable category as well. And that takes us on to our next color of blue, the good in every deck category, Omen of the Sea. Should we have been able to peg this as the top blue common coming out of the spoiler? So how can you? How do you know that it's good in every deck? Because it's preordain for one more mana and it's an enchantment in a format that cares about enchantment synergy it had flash when blue seemed to care about playing things at instant speed i think maybe you could have gotten there yeah uh i i think so this, this is a hard one to peg but but certainly possible and then the other card we have on this list does this feel like a hot take to you i, I put vexing gull on this list i really hate that card <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I just owe to every time I have multiple vexing goals in my deck. Wow. And I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, so should we put this on top tier then? No, I think it's fine. So my argument for this is that even in blue green decks where you're tapping out every turn, you still want gulls because they're good threats. And then you want gulls in every other blue deck because it's like part of that holy trinity of what could they have for three mana. Yeah, I think you have to end up in a certain game state for Vexing Gull to be good, right? The opponent can't have gotten on board ahead of you with big creatures. Like if your opponent has a 4-3, your Vexing Gull is so embarrassing. Right, but that's what your Riptide Turtle is for. Right, but yeah. then you have to have drawn all those pieces in the proper order. Y yeah, you and I are having different experiences with these like blue draw go decks. 
Yeah, I think so. I think I'm having different experiences than the rest of the world. <laughs> All right. So that moves us on to top tier. What do we have here? First up is thirst for meaning. Again, this is part of the holy trinity of what could they have for three. This goes up in value the more enchantments you have that you might be interested in pitching. Mm-hmm. And certainly if you've got like maybe, you know, this is one of the things in blue controlling decks where you can do the traveler's amulet kind of greedily sketch a bomb and then you've got discard outlets if stuff's not coming together right yeah and also situational cards or situational escape cards in particular like i like this when i've got something like a sleep of the dead because you're like well i don't really want to cast this out of my hand but i'm happy to cast this out of my graveyard once i pitch it to thirst for meaning absolutely Deny the Divine is the last piece of this holy trinity of what could they have for three mana. Really, really love this card. And Nyad of Hidden Cove enables all of those cards, makes them one mana cheaper. Again, I found an awkward tension with this. Like, So when you've got a hand of Nyad, Deny, Vexingal, do you play your Nyad on turn three and just hope that your opponent doesn't get something down that you care about on turn three? Or do you hold up Deny the Divine? It's It's been awkward for me in those blue controlling decks. I mean, I think it's contextual, but I think more often than not, you want to land the Nyad on three so that turn four, you get to double spell. And turn four is generally, I mean, unless your opponent's on the play and their turn four is before your turn four and they're green, you have to worry about them sticking Voracious Typhon because that's the thing you'd love to deny the Divine. It's, it's contextual for sure, but I think more often than not, getting Nyad down earlier is going to be better. That makes sense. And last on the list, I've got Witness of Tomorrows. It generally makes the cut best in blue-green, in my opinion, but I think fine everywhere. Yeah, but again, like another card that looks like it should be pretty powerful, but this this doesn't pull me into blue at all. Right. Next, that we got the most contextual category of cards. First up is Ichthyomorphosis. This is, I think, you know, curve consideration, amount of removal consideration. Do you care about the constellation? This gets a lot better when you're planning on winning with flyers, like if you're planning on winning with some vexing goals, or maybe you're in blue-white skies. Certainly, this gets much, much, much better. And then I think if you care about constellation, or you just don't have a way to interact with your opponent's creatures in blue-green, like you didn't get Warbriar's Blessing, you need ichthyomorphosis. Brian Giant can go from like never putting in your deck to like I'd really love to have two copies. The consideration there is enchantment density. Like how often is this going to cost five mana, maybe four mana for you? Um, and do you need a way to win? Do you need a curve topper in your deck? Brian Giant is a big boy in this format. It's the second biggest to Nixborn Colossus. It's large and in charge. I think I think a copy of this is pretty good in most blue decks. Yeah, I think so. Memory Drain is up next if you need more counterspells. Maybe you didn't get the Deny the Vines or something like that. Or if you've got multiple Nyads of the Hidden Coves and you're pretty confident your Memory Drain is going to cost three or maybe even two. But you primarily want Deny the Divine. Nyxborn Seaguard. This is, I think, best in a controlling deck. Like, you know, if you're in a blue-green Constellation aggro deck, you don't want to put this in, in your four-drop slot. And also, if you don't get a lot of turtles when you're in that controlling deck, I think having the five toughness in the control deck is really important. Speaking of, the turtle uh, goes up in value the more controlling you are if you're trying to play this draw-go game, and especially if you've got thirst for meanings or you know some other way to pitch them when they're irrelevant or some way to make them relevant when they're irrelevant, like maybe you've got a Soul Reaper of Mogus or whatever that you can sacrifice it to to draw a card. I really wish there was like a toughness, like a high alert variant in this format. Ooh, that'd be nice. That'd be a, a build around in this desert of no build arounds. That would make the format way too interesting. <laughs> Come on, Ethan. <laughs> Next up is Sleep of the Dead. You want this, you know, when you're more assertive, when you have basically no other escape cards, and when you have Thirst for Meanings or Thrill of Possibilities to pitch them. Yeah. Are you are you a believer in the blue-red sleep deck? Yeah, I I 
played it main deck in my blue red deck in our showdown video that's right you did yeah what a turd so next up we've got starlit mantle this is the one on a blue flash enchantment that gives you thing hexproof and plus one plus one this is definitely going up in value if you've got shimmerwing chimera as a way to you know potentially represent blanking all your opponent's removal for the rest of the game if you can afford to hold up two mana the more creatures you have that are worth protecting, you know, if you've got an Adir Kraken running around or some other bomb rare creature, Starlet Mantle goes way up. Archon of Sun's Grace probably being the best Ooh, to protect with Starlet Mantle. For sure. And, you know, if you care about triggering Constellation, especially at instant speed. Yeah. Last on our most contextual list is Stern Dismissal. You want to put this in a deck, in my opinion, you want to put this in a deck when you're most assertive, when you're interested in double spelling. I think one copy of this can go in a more controlling version of blue decks when you've got like a lot of counter spells and something slips through the cracks and then you're okay with going, well, I've taken care of everything else. I have the game under control except for this one threat on board. And then you want to be able to bounce it and counter it on the way back. Yeah, I have not loved Stern Dismissal. I think that's been the most disappointing card for me out of this entire format. Yeah, I'm with you. Eidolana Philosophy is our first up card in the filler category. This is, you know, going to go up in value if you've got some Brine Giants, if you don't have a lot of card draw but need card draw in a blue deck. But I think ultimately you're hoping not to run this most of the time. Yeah, speaking of hoping not to run, Towering Wave Mystic. I, I don't really like this card basically at all. I find the like must mill pretty awkward because like you never want to target your opponent. Targeting yourself in blue is generally not what you want to do either, like un unless you're, I don't know, Sweet Oblivioning or thasa's oracling but even then i think you hope to have better options this is a key piece in those blue red blue black sleep decks though right i don't think so i thought it was the key piece like you you like that's like your escape plan right like if your draft's not going well and then you wheel some towering wave mystics you wheel a sleep of the dead some thrill of possibilities and you're off to the races what are you off to the races doing though you're attacking your opponent with towering wave mystic milling yourself putting fuel in the yard for sleep of the dead to lock down their creatures or find your underworld rage hounds yeah maybe i have you seen that deck? Is that a deck? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's definitely a deck. I have not personally drafted it, but I've seen a lot of Twitter pictures of the deck. All right. Well, I got to keep my eye out for it then. Yeah. Uh, and last up in the filler category, we've got Triton Wave Rider. I think this is, you know, filler in blue-green constellation. Exactly. And then looking at unplayable slash sideboard, both of these cards could be main decked, but I think you hope not to. And that's Chain to Memory and Elite Instructor. And then that takes us to green, which is our next color up. Good in every deck. Probably the best green common, I think. Yeah. Warbriar's Blessing. Are you there? I'm there for sure. Yeah. T took me a while, but I'm there. And then followed by Losum Chimera and Voracious Typhon. There's been some talk in the Discord from some very good players that Losum Chimera might be better than Voracious Typhon. I am not close to there yet myself. The only thing that makes me think about Voracious Typhon going in top tier would be its mana constraints. Like green, green is sometimes something that I'm not interested in on turn four, but I think it's still got to be good in every deck. Yeah. And last on the list here is Skola Grove Dancer, one and a green for a two, two enchantment creature. And then you can pay the two and a green to mill a card. And if you mill a land card, you gain a life. The first copy of this, I think you're fine with in most green decks and certainly goes up in value the more escape cards you have. Yeah, so that brings us to top tier, which is a pretty short list for green. Because it's garbage. <laughs> Lee's Forerunner is first. Just about every green deck wants exactly one copy of this card. I agree with that completely. Next is Return to Nature. I think you happily run the first copy of the main deck in most green decks. I'm a little leery about running two Return to Nature's main deck. Yeah, I don't think it's 
if I saw a deck with two return to natures, I wouldn't be like, what the hell happened here? But, <laughs> like, but I, I, I agree with you. That takes us to most contextual. First up is Elysian carry added one of the biggest losers of the set, maybe even underrated at this point. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think you and I still don't quite have a handle of what this like five color good stuff in the format looks like or how you get into it or what the makeup of it is. So perhaps now that that's having a, a surge in popularity, this is an underrated card. Yeah, and I think the ramp, the fixing it provides, if you have ways to make it a relevant card later, like a Soul Reaper of Mogus or a Dream Shaper Shaman, all of that bumps this card up. We had a pretty long discussion in the Discord about like why was Llanowar Elves so good in Dominaria versus why is Lees and Carry added so unexciting in this format? And I think, you know, Kicker versus Escape is an interesting consideration because Escape doesn't isn't actually super mana hungry the way Kicker is, like where Llanowar Elves can still be relevant on turn seven to get your Bayloth Gorger as an eight as a eight mana play or whatever. But I think there is another thing to think about with Carry Added. If you do have like a pretty stacked four drop slot, if you're excited about going from two to four, I think that's another reason to put Carry Added in your deck. Yeah, for sure. Nexus Wardens is up next. You want this in a more controlling deck. You want this when you're soft to flyers. If you are in black green and you feel like you're in need of life gain, like if you've got funeral rites or other things that are going to deal you damage, I think this is a, a, a card worth including. Nylea's Huntmaster's next. This goes up in value if you care about the four power. This is a... a- find a good you know fairly vanilla ish card the more aggressive you are and the more green cards you have in your deck obviously the more you want nylea's Huntmaster. yeah and probably trample if you've got trample stuff like satessin training or the uh, nylea's forerunner this gets better nixborn colossus is next if you have ways to give it trample if you care about constellation if you care about it as a curve topper i guess if you care about devotion though very few things in green do um then then you can consider putting this card in your deck have you cast a nixborn colossus yet yeah, I have not cast one of these bad boys yet. Oh, where, where what, what are you drafting? <laughs> I don't know. Not, <laughs> not decks that require me to put an Explore Colossus in my deck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm generally unhappy if I have to include this card. But again, like it has a place. I've got good cards like Voracious Typhon in my green. Yeah, decks. you got you got good cards like Towering Wave Mystic. <laughs> omen of the hunt is next on this most contextual list this is a fine card if you care about fixing i would have thought at the start of the format that this would be one of the premier ways to fix but that's just not been the case traveler's amulet i think is the go-to if you want to fix because the ramping from three to five by and large is not super relevant four mana is where the action is i think yeah i mean like if you care about constellation again if you have something to do with this permanent once it hits the battlefield the fact that this like does something on its way to the graveyard like once you scry and then it's a a third or a fourth of an escape card like that that's all something but i'm not just putting this in any two color deck no definitely not relentless pursuit is a card that i i think you and i are both pretty low on if you've got heavy escape And this is really important if you have a high creature count, like I think anything less than 15 creatures for this card, and you're you're really at risk of missing on getting two cards out of this when you cast it. And that's a real problem. Yeah, this card is single handedly responsible for some percentage of my poor win rate at the start (laughs) of the format. I was jamming this index left and right. That's funny. Satessin Training is our last card Mm -hmm. on this contextual list. And I think gets best when you are assertive. You have, you know, care about Constellation. You have a high creature count so that you've always got a target for it. If you've got raw stats like Nessian Boar or our friend Nyxborn Colossus, this really does a lot of work in your deck. Looking at filler cards, Gift of Strength is up first. This is a medium combat trick. I think this is rarely main decked i think this might be a card where if i saw it in your main deck i would say what the hell happened um but you you can play it so tessin skirmisher this is just not quite enough 
uh, work, I think, in green decks. One and a green for the 2-1, and then if you Constellation, it gets plus one, plus one. It just doesn't do enough. Too low impact. Yeah, speaking of low impact, we've got Moss Viper last. I think this is fine in a controlling or grindier deck if you need something early to just clog the board. Gets wrecked by Mogus's favor, which I think is the, the biggest knock against it. I've liked Moss Viper out of the sideboard the most. Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, more sideboard material. It was, speaking of, moving on to our unplayable sideboard category, Inspire All. I've still not done it, Ethan. Are you shocked? Wait, what? No, this is this is Plague Wind. I know, I'm terrible. And Plummet is our last card here. Bring it in against Flyers. All right, that's going to round us out into red, looking at good in every deck. I have Iroas' Blessing here, followed by Incendiary Oracle, followed by Omen of the Forge with parentheses, the first copy. Yeah, and I think that's really important. The second copy of Omen of the Forge definitely has diminishing returns. And, you know, the more you have that, the more you want to look at, am I caring about having options when I pass with mana up? Do I have something to do with this once it hits the battlefield? Like, do I have a way to blink it with Shimmerwing Chimera? Or do I have escape so I care about going to the yard? Or do I have Final Flare or Dream Shaper Shaman? Those two cards are going to come up a lot in, uh, in red as like, do you have these? This makes that card better. Right. Moving on to the top tier category. First tier is Underworld Ragehound. You really need to be aggressive and you need to have no other good escape cards competing for your graveyard as a resource. And certainly goes up a slight bit if you're in red, green, four power matters, because when you bring it back from the graveyard, it gets that bump and is a 4-2. Scophos Warleader I have on this list. It feels like most red decks want one copy of this. What do you think about that? I love this card. I think this is one of the most underrated cards in red right now. It's such a relevant body, and the one mana sacrifice outlet's super relevant with Portent of Betrayal. I think this is a good card in red. That's the, the five toughness is the thing that really pushes me over the edge with this card. Yeah, and the ability to become a 5-5 five five also a lot of times forces your opponent to two-for-one themselves off of it. I, I think this card's good. Yeah, I agree. And then last on this list... Hot take question mark thrill of possibility. I don't think this can be a hot take like so you and I have not drafted this deck yet. Yes. And I've been I've been trying to get into it. I just haven't done enough drafts yet. Right. Like I'm I'm probably slightly shy of 40 drafts right now if I had to guess. But the amount of decks I've seen posted on Twitter by people that are very good, you know, Kyle Rose, Opa, um, Alex, I think I don't think this is a hot take. I think this is the real deal. And I think there's something to these decks. And after you and I get a chance to draft them, we will be talking about them on the podcast. Yeah, we're ho hoping to get that out to you folks uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, so I think I, I just wrote an article for Cardsphere about escape as a mechanic and how that changes the evaluations of cards. And when we talked about Thrill of Possibility last week in this context, it really sort of opened it up for me. The fact that it puts two cards in your bin for escape and it opens up like splashes for you. It's good in the, the draw go decks, whatever. Like I do think Thrill of Possibility goes in most decks and like does really cool things like amulet does in terms of like lets you play one fewer land lets you get a little greedier on your mana base like it, it's it's a, a really good card well and if we're if we're subscribing to the idea that the best cards in the set are way better than the other cards mm -hmm. it helps you find those cards more consistently yeah that's another great great point for that card most contextual first up is arena trickster you're pretty unhappy if this makes the cut in your deck even in a blue red you know draw go style deck it just it just comes down too late. You don't want to be tapping out in those decks on turn four. Agreed. Aspect of Manticore, things to think about. Are you an assertive deck? Do you have heroic triggers? Do you have a high creature count? It's a, a real consideration for all auras is like, what's your creature count at? How many things do you have that you can put this on? And do you have Final Flare or Dream Shaper Shaman to sacrifice it when it's like done its work already? Flummox Cyclops up next. This is, you know, 
curve filler again like if you need a four drop this does a reasonable voracious typhon impression mm -hmm. assuming you're the person that's beating down if you are behind this card is woefully embarrassing agreed uh infuriate the one mana combat trick i think mostly i'm thinking about this only in heroic decks it's fine if you just like need a 23rd spell in like red green aggro or whatever but again you want to make sure you have a high creature count before you're including a card like this next up is oriata mountains blaze this card i have pretty high on it got you to day two of gp new jersey basically it did get me to day two of gp new jersey but i think it, it does work in draft as well like if you're in any sort of a controlling red deck or a slower mid-range red deck you're very happy with the first copy of oriata mountains boys and i think there's even worlds where you play two of these guys yeah portent of betrayal basically only want it in red black sacrifice and even in those decks when you have like a really strong suite of removal i think this card gets worse like you really want this when you're like i didn't get there on removal and i have a ton of cheap sack outlets oh i i think it's very good in red black sacrifice i mean assuming what what's the, what's the number of one mana sack outlets you want before you're really happy with portent three two yeah i think or like you know i think three and then i think you know if you've got more than that as you get into four or five it starts to become very good yeah and but it's also not embarrassing if like you have Lampad, war leader and soul reaper of mogus like or or the slaughter priest of mogus and it's two mana like portent of betrayal as a six mana or seven mana play is fine i think like if you've got if you're like well i don't find my one mana sack outlets i think this is still fine no i agree i just felt it felt it sounded like you were a little low on it to me uh, i'm only low on it when i look at a red black deck and i see oh you've got two final deaths two myers grasps uh, an omen of the forge and other ways to kill creatures it's like well you have a ton of removal you don't need portent of betrayal as essentially a removal spell with setup cost i suppose yeah Stampede Rider is up next. This is total filler in my experience. It's not even a good card in the four power matters decks. It is nice that it triggers on both of your turns, but not an exciting card. Yeah, I could move that to filler for sure. I don't like that card either. Um, I do like Rapid Flames quite a bit. This is one of the most important cards in the red white heroic deck, and I think that's where it's at its best. Yep. And then all by its lonesome right now in the filler category, about to be joined by Stampede Rider, is the Nyxborn Brute. Three red red for that seven three. This card is pretty unexciting. Yeah. I mean, like, if you need a card and you have a Wings of Hubris and an Ilea's Forerunner or Citesson Training, I could see playing it, but you really, really hope to not put it in a deck. And then in the unplayable sideboard category, Irreverent Revelers pretty much says destroy target Entrancing Liar or destroy target Shadow Spear. And last on the list, Satyr's Cunning. This is just never should be included. Like, I think even if you have Galia, you should not be playing this card. Moving on to Colorless, good in every deck. Traveler's Amulet, we can't say enough good things about it. Best way to splash in the format. Contextual cards, the Lords of Limited, Sealed Tech, Wings of Hubris. I think almost any green deck wants this card. And I think decks without like clear wind conditions also want this card altar of the pantheon is up next if you're splashing this is a way to do it if you care about devotion especially a bonus there but i think again you're hoping to have travelers amulets to splash more than altar of the pantheon bronze sword this is probably just as close to unplayable as possible i have played this once in a deck that had double furious rise like it cared about four power matters so much that i wanted a way to make my two drops have four power but this card is is highly highly medium yep unknown shores probably the best it's ever been in this format mm -hmm. but you still should be wary about putting this in your deck we'll, we'll hopefully have more on that next week and last on this list is sideboard material thaumaturge is familiar I've, I've brought this in against like uh harpies or gulls like if you need a flying blocker it's fine yeah you know the thing that stands out 
to me about doing this is just how much better the contextual cards are in white and black than the other colors are. Yeah, right? It's insane. But the thing that is really confusing for me is how wildly they swing, though. Like how much like some decks are like, yeah, I really want that card. And then other decks are like, I really don't want that card. Right. And that, that that's where, you know, you really need to work, I think, in this format to carve out a lane where you make the contextual commons good cards in your deck. I think that's one of the most important things you can do if you're struggling in the format. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see sets in the future or how often we'll see sets in the future where doing something like this is going to be as useful as it was here. But this was incredibly helpful for me a month under the format to sort of distill the cards into these different categories. I got a text message from Ethan that said, just wrote out the show notes, promptly 3-0'd and like went on this tear in best of three in Arena, right? 3-0'd on Magic Online and then 10-0'd in best of three on Arena. Something to it, ladies and gentlemen. I think so. I think so. Commons have the sauce. (laughs) All right. That's a great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. In addition to our YouTube content, you can check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. This is great. Three and a white for a three, four. When it ETBs, you can put target enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. If you do, you gain life equal to its converted mana cost. Oh, and a burp. <laughs> that was aggressive. I know. It just really it just snuck just right in there. Snuck right in there. It's an intrusive burp there. Okay.